understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Guys, real quick, today's episode of The Stranded is sponsored by none other than Instapodcast. If you've never heard of Instapodcast, that's my podcast management agency, and there's nothing wrong with a shameless plug, right? My podcast management agency that we started in 2019 with the intent to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives just like yourself connect on one of the most popular platforms on the internet right now that allows you to have true intimacy and vulnerability with your audience, and that is podcasting, to share your story, to share your message, your experience, and your knowledge through one of the most powerful mediums. And what we did was take away the hardest, most difficult part of it. We do the tech and the production for you so that you get to focus on the two most important things, which are content and marketing so that the world can hear your message. Because I know one thing I know for certain is that you have a message that can put words to something that someone else is experiencing that they don't know how to put words to. And so it's time to put your message out there. But the problem is, is you're scared of how much work it's going to take. And Instapodcast takes away all of the work for you so that you can focus on what's most important about the podcast, which is just delivering and serving your audience. So run over to instapodcast.com right now, schedule and book your first call with one of our reps or me, and we will get you started with your popular podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Stranded Face podcast. We are on all streaming platforms, uh, video and audio, and I am here with another incredible guest, someone that I have been truly captivated by her entire journey. I'm talking about like three to five years ago when I knew All I knew was I wanted to speak to people, I wanted to empower women, and I wanted to really use my story. My go-to person to follow was this woman right here, Sierra Range Jones. Not only is she the founder of Live Limitless Media Group, she is the author of three books. She's the ghostwriter behind 50 plus books of some of the most incredible people and celebrities that you follow right now. And she recently is the co-founder with her husband, which I think is such a beautiful journey, (laughs) of a cannabis cultivation and medical marijuana dispensary called Krilly Wellness. I got it. Bam. I got it. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) And so to have her here today, guys, she's got to get a huge welcome. So welcome to the Stranded Family, Sierra. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. Anytime we connect, it's always a good time. It's so authentic and Mm. so raw and so refreshing. So whenever you call, I'm like, you know what? For Jess, yes. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you have my whole heart. And um, this is the thing that I think is so beautiful. Um, My, I feel like for me, my journey's new. You know, so I, I'm about three years in, I would say, on this, and and really two solid years. (laughs) And there was never a time where. You were not open to provide feedback, criticism, connection. Um, You were on my podcast twice in its earliest form in the first year, even though you were well ahead of me in business and entrepreneurship. And so just the way that you've honored um, your role, your purpose, and in educating and just leaning into mentorship with me, I cannot thank you enough. 
You so. are most welcome. I'm like hugging myself because I just want to <laughs> hug you. That's how much I'm like. You are most welcome. But speaking of purpose, and I can't wait to talk about this journey with your husband, but um, there's no one I've seen stand behind more the idea of breaking generational curses. If mm-hmm. you've ever heard you talk, if you've ever seen anything that you've created, anything that you've ever done, any stage you've ever stood on, you stand so solid in that that purpose. Can you explain to me where that drive came from? Just share a little bit with us about your backstory. Yeah. Um, yes, that story for me is, is so personal. Um, when I speak, it just comes out. And I'm a I'm an avid believer that what's in you is going to come out, and so that story is in me. You know, I was raised um, in very socioeconomically challenging environments. Mm-hmm. I grew up on government assistance and welfare my entire life, and so people would say, "Well, where are you from?" I would often just say, "I'm from West Orlando," because honestly, we lived in every hood. <laughs> we lived wherever the wherever the Section Eight voucher was. We lived there, and so we moving guys. <laughs> It's time to go. And so I've lived in pretty much all of the areas in Orlando that were, you know, below the poverty line. And so with that, though, I think the biggest thing is that I've always had a vision to see outwardly. Um, I share um, with your audience at Active Innovative Income that growing up in the home with my grandfather, uh, my mother and my sisters, we had moved in with my grandfather because of an incident where there was like a guy literally trying to kill my mother and he was stalking us. And I think that's where my PTSD started to develop. Like for a year after that, anytime someone would knock on the door and me and my sisters would probably like urinate on ourselves. We were just so traumatized by this guy coming every night trying to literally kill my mother. I think the the last night it ended with five gunshots and he was chasing her down with the gun. And I remember going into the closet with my little sisters and trying to calm them. About 20 minutes later, a police officer came in and my sisters were all frantic. And I remember just being calm and I asked him, I'm like, hey, is, is my mother dead? And he's like, no, she's outside. And so he brought us outside. I just remember things now that I'm going through my healing process that I had suppressed. And so I got into business. And I'm like, why do I have all these freaking triggers? And I love how we talk about in order to get to that next level, you do have to become a higher version of yourself. And a lot of times what we don't realize is that means it's time to unpack. And so what I realized is that I was a great pusher. One thing about me, I'm a push through. One way or another, I'm a push through, right? Push through You've been college. been in survival mode your whole life. Survival mode. So what happens when you're no longer needing to survive? You have to thrive. Right. But it requires a whole nother set of tools and thinking and coping mechanisms. And so what I realized is that I had pushed my way through college as a mother got pregnant at 19. I had pushed my way through adversity. I had pushed my way through childhood trauma. I had pushed my way through emotional injury. And then I had created this amazing life for myself. I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, first generation college student. I had gone on to do amazing things and I was super uh, ambitious. And what I realized now is that my ambition was like a trauma response. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you, so you missed it. We just talked to Ludmiwa two episodes ago, and she was talking about uh, our trauma responses can be really good things. Mm -hmm. They could be the way we show up. They could be the way we love people. They could be our, like, relentless pursuit of achievement. Right. Um, But then we realize at some point 
that it is where it's where it stemmed from and it is truly a um it's a people pleasing response mm -hmm. and it's still not healthy no. i mean it's better than using drugs or alcohol but, <laughs> right. but what happens when you're burnt out and then you still have three kids and you have a, a hailstone of, of clients to manage and all these expectations to manage and you get to a place where it's like you know what i need to uncover the truest version of myself Without the triggers, without the trauma, without the expectations, without the need to please, without the need to be accepted, just me and my rawest form. And mm. then I'll build from here. Mm. Because you get just so tired of like running and spinning your wheels. And all the success you achieve and never release, it's not as gratifying. You know, it comes and it fleets and you're on your next pursuit of something else. And I'm like, you know what, God, what does authentic success feel like? And then I had to identify what true success meant for me. What is my dream? And, you know, um, once I started to transition into the cannabis space with my husband, you know, there was some back and forth because it was necessary for us to kind of let go of my company so that I can focus more on building this company. And what I realized is that I had lost sight of my dream. I had put my dream in a box when I think about my, my biggest dream, the one thing that I know that I'm meant to do on this earth, the one thing that I, I want to achieve while I'm here on this planet, it's not about writing a book. Hmm. It's not limited to just writing books. It's about using my voice and the power of the spoken word to help people be seen, be heard, to help people break free and to adopt a greater sense of purpose and identity and to disrupt generational poverty. Mm. And I was committed to that mission. The mission was to disrupt generational poverty. The method, I'm flexible in the method. So at that, in, in that flexible time- Flexible in the method. <laughs> I'm flexible in the method. In the comments, I'm flexible in the <laughs> method. That part right there, that gave me chills. Yeah, so commit to the mission, but be flexible in the method. And in this season of my life, as I'm transitioning and as I'm healing, and I'm, I'm uncovering a truer version of myself, a healthier version of myself, I'm realizing like, I don't have to be overworked. I don't have to say yes to every client. I don't have to drop what I'm doing to accommodate someone else's schedule. I can truly identify what makes me feel most alive, what makes me feel most on my path to purpose, and what truly satisfies my needs and my desires. Because growing up with trauma, you learn how to mask that. Um, especially having a parent who wasn't able to give it to you, yes. you learn how to survive without it. And so the red flags and all the bells start to go off once you're married in a, in a healthy environment. And it's just like, this is foreign. <laughs> this doesn't even feel safe. You I'm feel scared. safer in fight or flight than you do in a healthy, not even relationship situation, circumstance. This feels very uncomfortable. And of course, we run in the trauma response of, so when's the end? Where's the traumatic thing? What's going to, what's when the, the screeching halt? Yes. When's the veil going to fall? Mm -hmm. When is, when is someone going to be able to like, you know, um, I keep talking about this book in every damn podcast episode <laughs> In the big leap. He talks about um, the, you know, that we all have these fears um, that keep us from our upper limit. And he said, one of them, which is mine is uh, fear of, like the veil being pierced, fear mm -hmm. of um, you being fundamentally flawed. Mm -hmm. And so you think it the whole time because you're so used to survival and hustle that it's at some point somebody's going to peel back the curtain and be like, I see you back there. I see you <laughs> for, for who you really are. Like, good job with the mask. But I actually see like broken, bent, you know, unformed you. Mm -hmm. And we're so afraid of that. And I think when we're always in a survival response, um, it's the game is up. The game is constantly, we're constantly playing a game. And then I don't mean in a vicious way, but it's, 
It's the upkeep. It's mm-hmm. the maintenance of this mask mm-hmm. all the time is that this is how I keep everyone around me safe. This is how I keep myself safe. This is how we keep, you know, mm-hmm. uh, financially financial stability. This mm-hmm. is how we do this. Um, unbeknownst, do we deal with anything with ourselves mm-hmm. in those situations? What I realized, too, is that for me, I was achieving things. Oh, my God. Some of the most incredible experiences I could never even imagine were happening in my life. But I realized there was something more important to me that I had never gotten a chance to experience. I just really, really wanted more than money, more than a revenue goal, more than another superstar client. And that was peace and stability. I just wanted peace. I got tired of chasing and running and being in flight and spite and being triggered. I'm like, I just want peace. And once I really started to focus on peace, that's when I started to experience true happiness. And that's when I learned a version of myself that I never knew existed. And I realized I'm dope as hell, even if I never achieve another, another damn thing. thing. <laughs> I'm a dope freaking human being. That's fact. And I learned to love myself without the accomplishments. And then it's, there's no need now for me to worry about if you see what's under the veil, because I'm going to show it to you because I'm so proud of her. You know, I'm proud that I come from where I came from. And yet this is where I am. I'm not broken. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm not stepping on anybody to get to the top. And there's a lot of that that goes on. There's a industry. lot of that. <laughs> But that's not me. And I'm happy. I can look at myself in the mirror and be proud of the woman, of the mother, of the wife that I am coming from where I came from because I did it. You know, I I pushed myself. And there was a season in my healing where I realized I'm such a pusher. I will push past some shit and push my way through. But I had gotten to a place where it was no longer effective to push. I needed to unpack. If I'm going to go higher, I have to pack I'm just pushing my shit around with it. (laughs) Just pushing it around the room. But if you want to go higher, I needed to unpack. Yeah. And I had to let go and I had to accept. Um, The biggest thing for me, people talk a lot about having like daddy issues. Mm -hmm. I had mommy issues. I had a mother who did not know how to love me and nurture me. And I've always had compassion for her because she was abandoned by her mother when she was two. Yes. And then come to find out her mother was adopted. So here's this pattern of brokenness when it comes to mother-daughter when I began to have kids, I have three daughters. Yeah. Like, you know what? This God ends. was like, you're going you to end this one here. <laughs> you're going to learn this lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? This stops with me. Mm-hmm. This stops with me. Um, one of my biggest aha moments was with my 13-year-old. I had taken her phone after I snooped through all of her messages and group chats. <laughs> you talking about it. <laughs> but she said something to me that I wanted to drop kick her, but I was also so very proud of her at the same time. Because yeah. she's like, can I talk to you guys? And she comes in the room with me and my husband and she's like I feel like you guys are holding me to a standard that's very unrealistic you guys are trying to raise me in a world that no longer exists I think I should be free to be my own person and I think that you violated my boundary when you read all of my personal messages because the way that I show up with my friends inside of a inside of my spam account is not how I show up in public I said go to your room We'll oh talk about God. this. <laughs> you have a different level of patience. I hope that's exactly how it went. I said, go to your room. And then when she walked out, I was like, did she just win this argument? <laughs> did she just win? Did our 13-year-old just take our whole life? <laughs> she just checked us. And I was so proud of her for being able to articulate her needs. 
and her feelings. I was I was never able to do that without being met with violence mm. or rejection. And so for me, I had to pause. And I had to celebrate her for being brave enough to speak her truth. And I also had to celebrate myself for giving her a safe place to feel so strong and confident enough to face me and tell me what she had on her mind. <laughs> <laughs> this gave me the chills. Because to step aside and think that we always have to be um, the victor over our children mm -hmm. and to step aside and to give your daughter that space, um, one, hell, I commend you. Um, two, <laughs> two, like, she learned that from you. Mm -hmm. She learned that from the person who thought that your mother, the relationship between you and your mother dictated how mm -hmm. you would be with your mm -hmm. female children. And th that just proves it did stop with you. Yeah. She was able able to emotionally regulate. Mm -hmm. And instead of being upset and cursing you guys out or whatever she could have done, she was able to express her emotions. Mm -hmm. It's like you said. And you were used to being met with violence, but you didn't carry that mm -hmm. into your relationship as a mother. It was a huge moment. Mm. It was a huge moment for me. Um, and I looked at my husband like, this, this is your daughter. Show child. <laughs> Show side of the family. You're going to answer this. <laughs> But it was a great moment. And I think in business, the the better we are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that translates over into our bank accounts. It just always does. It always does. It always does. And so I like to focus on right now, what is, how would I show up if I didn't have anybody to impress? And that has been like my go-to. If I didn't have anybody to impress, if this is my last day and God said, you're going to make it into the pearly gates if you live your last day the most authentic, mm -hmm. what does that look like for me? Did y'all hear that? Like, what does that look like? I just want to make sure that you grab your notepad right now <laughs> and write this down because I'm going to be really honest with you. In my soul, I was like, Jessica, you need to think about that. <laughs> so what is the thing that you would do on your last day? I, I, I for damn sure, would not be working to impress people. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be working to make a long-lasting memory on a bunch of strangers. I would be doing something that felt so good and so authentically me mm -hmm. and with the people that I love. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you said that because that's literally where I am in my life. And I've had people DM me like, Sierra, where are you posting? You haven't posted. Where are you? And I'm like, I am living my best life. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm becoming, I'm practicing intimacy. Ooh. I'm practicing intimacy and I'm practicing having healthy, loving relationships. You know what I mean? And sometimes that requires me to not be curating content for you to consume, but for me to be present in my own life. I'm sitting with my daughters and braiding their hair. I'm giving my husband a massage. I'm allowing my husband to massage me. I'm sitting on the ocean watching the sunrise with my husband. Didn't you guys just renew your vows? We just renewed our vows. How long had it been? Five years. We started dating, though, in high school. Mm -hmm. So we fell in love at 17. We've been married five years. And he's just the most amazing human that... I could ever ask for. He, he's so good to me. He's so good for me. He's not perfect, but he's just, he's mine. And he's, we're so good for one another. He's literally my best friend. He's so patient with me during my highs and my yeah. lows and my triggers. And I'm, I love you, but don't touch me. And just yeah. all these things. And so now that I'm healing, I'm so committed to giving him and my children just the best version of me. And a lot of times that requires my presence. 
We're giving the best of ourselves to the world and the public before we give it to the people that we love mm -hmm. is what I heard out of that. And they deserve it first. And so when I first started my career, I was always so focused on my brand. I was always online. Yeah. I was posting all the time. I was going live. I was having conferences. I was traveling. And I was on go, on go, on go. I remember talking to you at one point, one season, like a year and a half ago, you were always on a plane. Always. Always. It was speaking at this conference. It was this church. It was this event. It was that you were everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then you slowed down and you literally disappeared. And then all I saw you doing was hustling back and forth between here and Miami and a couple <laughs> other things. And then life got really quiet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what happened to her? And now hearing you say this, it feels so good to hear that instead of you're not lost. You found yourself. Mm -hmm. All who wonder are not lost. And I found myself in myself, mm. if that makes any sense. Like, I found what I was chasing, the acceptance, the love, the identity. You already had it with your husband and your kids. They were there. They loved the truest form of me. I didn't have to perform. I didn't have to say anything profound. I just had to show up and be present and be filled up. And I think I was searching as a trauma response. I had always learned how to push myself and to be super, super busy to distract myself from the pain or from, you know, whatever was going on at home. Like even in school, I was a part of whatever sport was happening because it was a way for me not to be home. Yep. And I exactly. carried that into my adulthood. And it's just like, you know what? I've built a pretty amazing life for myself. What am I chasing now? And how do I get comfortable with peace and love and intimacy you know, and I was also sexually abused. And so intimacy was very hard for me. I had yeah, kind of so shut down. So you said, down. I love you, but don't touch me. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> Stay over there. And I'm just in a really great place where I'm just, like I said, practicing intimacy on a whole new level um, and filling myself up. I've poured so much. Into, you have poured so much. Into people all over the world and to everybody around me. And I'm like, okay. What happens when I save a little bit for myself? And I never had a problem with pouring because I'm such a giver at heart. But I realized that I was giving from, and my cup was empty and I was still giving. And I realized that my giving wasn't coming from a place of charity. It was coming from a place of brokenness. Because there was this fear that if I stopped giving. Where where will my worthiness lie? Mm-hmm. Mm. So my healing journey, girl, it has transformed the way that I show up in a whole new way. Mm. Um, it has allowed me to redefine success. So my version of success right now, it's not, you know, a, it's not in a matter of accomplishment, like that need to do set a goal and achieve it. I've done that. I've done that. I've done that over and over, over and, and over, over and over again. My biggest goal right now is to love without limits, hmm. to give myself grace, to extend that grace, to build amazing memories and to build something that disrupts generational poverty, something that I'm able to build Black wealth with my Black men and my little Black babies. And it's, it's not even on like an anti-anything. It's just that where I come from, it's unheard of. And mm -hmm. I get to be the example. You know what I mean? Like I get to be the example. Even when I go back to my neighborhood, sometimes I look and I'm like, wow, I really made it out of this. This gives me chills because I think... Um I talk about this all the time and I'm, I'm just, you know, people are always like, have a five-year vision, have a 10-year vision, be super clear on where you're going. What are you meant to do in this world? And for me, I've always felt like I would 
I was selling myself short by thinking I could conceptualize what I was created to do. Mm. Like, I always feel like the more I stepped into things, the more I confidently stepped into things, the more that God was like, oh, come here. Here's another door. <laughs> and here's another door. Yes. And I was like, you want me to do what? Like, oh, I guess I'll walk over there too. Like, you know, to think, I, I just always step back and say, okay, as a, a founder of a podcast agency, 65 clients, Innovative Income Summit, y'all, I never saw that for myself. I'd be lying to you if I said I did. Mm -hmm. But it's like sometimes when you commit to the thing that brings you the most joy and not the thing, like you said, be flexible on the method. Mm -hmm. I, now I'm listening to you talk and I'm and about how passionate you are about this and how you're doing something. Literally, it's a labor of love mm -hmm. with your love, literally. <laughs> and you're doing this with your family, which is true mm -hmm. generational wealth. There's mm -hmm. no offense, but there's other cultures that do this and they do it well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're building this with your family, a true legacy, a dynasty mm -hmm. at that. Um, I feel like this accidentally is something that will give you a stage. Accidentally. And it's so crazy. When we first started out, I literally found out when we were going through the license process that we were going to be the first license to be drawn into, written into the state in that particular area, in that particular town. The very first license. They literally wrote the law around us in our process. And I'm like, unintentionally breaking history. I had traveled all over the world, conference here, speaking here trying to make a name for myself, trying to, you know, manifest my gift and show the world who I was. And unintentionally in a little small town in Maine, I was breaking history. And that came after I stopped searching and I allowed myself to be found, if that makes sense. No, it makes so much sense. I stopped searching. And, I, and you know what? Another thing that contributed to that, being disappointed when I saw people who I looked up to and I would connect with them. I'm like, you are not at all who... <laughs> Like, what? Like, being disappointed in social media figures? Yes. And I'm like, we are not the same. Right. We are not the same. I don't want that. to pursue that because that's not who I am. And if that's what it looks like, this is not, this, this ain't it for me. And so going through those, it's just so many things that business teaches you about yourself, about people, about how to manage your relationships, manage expectations, managing your money, managing your emotions. And it's like a never-ending cycle of growth, mm -hmm. self-discovery, and self-awareness. And when I finally stopped searching and wanting to be accepted mm. in a little small town, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, the first. The first. And it's really, really hard to get into the cannabis space. It's so hard. But it wasn't hard for me. The path was literally just laid out. Because everything that was the hardest part of your journey was the part that made you think that you were your this your life was difficult was everything that stood out mm -hmm. in this correct mm -hmm. like the you, what what were some of the things that kind of yeah, got this? and you know what I love that you say that because a lot of times when you come from a difficult background you have this expectation that everything has to be difficult everything has to be a challenge everything yep. has to be a struggle. And so sometimes when things come with ease, we tend to minimalize it, minimalize it, or not give it as much value. Mm. This can't be that good. It's too easy. Right. And that happens a lot of times with our gift as well. Well, this comes so easy to me, I'm going to charge pennies for it because, I mean, it comes <laughs> easy to me. Yes. And so we don't properly assess or you know our value and our worth. And so with this situation, it came so easy. And my husband had to stop me and say, do you have any idea how big 
this is going to be. Mm. We have an 11,000 square foot cannabis cultivation facility that we bought from the town on the railroad tracks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about the cannabis industry aside from the fact that my husband just really loved weed. <laughs> he, and he's always loved weed. We're, he's always wanted to get into the business. But at the time, I was working in law enforcement. We were I remember in this. I remember this. <laughs> we were in Arizona and I was working as a juvenile detention officer at the yeah. time. But marijuana was legal there. We couldn't really get into it. Then once we moved to Florida, Florida's regulation is just, it was crazy. Like as soon as they opened it up, all the licenses were taken. It was like $125,000 to apply. I remember And this. if you didn't get it, you lost your money. But in a little small town in Maine, we were able to literally just slide on through like literally everything we applied for approved, 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 open, open. Our place that we just got there, come to find out the home, we live in a beautiful um, lake house there in Maine. And come to find out the people who had lived in that home previously own the biggest medical marijuana dispensary on the East Coast. They literally live in the house that we're in now. And we're hiring their son to run our delivery service. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just crazy how things open up when we stop forcing it. I think healing unlocks a different version of mm. ourselves. I think healing unlocks more opportunities because pain blocks your perception. It warps your perception, your perception of self your perception of opportunity and just the way that you engage and show up. And then once you start to heal, it's like, you feel fresh, like, uh-oh, <laughs> new me who Stuff is. opens up, shoulders <laughs> go back. Yes. Hold on, don't, don't skip what you Walls just said. go down. Y'all hear what she said? She said, pain blocks perception. Mm -hmm. Pain blocks perception. This is why I brought her on here, y'all. <laughs> pain blocks perception. Okay, so I want I want to backtrack a little bit because... All I've ever known you as was a survivor and hustler. Mm -hmm. um, I did not personally know you were on a healing journey. So what was there a moment when you said, I've got to, you said you knew you had to unpack, but what was the, was there a defining moment you where you were like, okay, I'm my biggest problem right now? Oh my God. Yes. So this happened in 2019. Mm -hmm. Every time I think about it, I start to twitch. Do you see my eye twitching? Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> automatic <laughs> oh my god I'm kidding but this my breakthrough moment came in 2019 my cousin I, my dad's side of the family we grew up very very close like sisters and brothers and so my cousin he was only about two years older than me and he had gotten uh, skin cancer and it was like this very vicious form of cancer and he ended up you know losing his battle to cancer and we had prayed we were a praying family we had prayed and prayed and prayed you know and God still decided you know to take him home. And so that was a big blow for me. I was actually on a flight. I was at the airport headed to the Fearless Conference in LA when I got the call from my cousin. And it was like, we don't think he's going to make it. I hop out of the line. I don't get on the plane. I'm having a breakdown. The, the woman from the clear, mm -hmm. she comes up and hugs me. She's like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm so sorry. She's hugging me. I end up leaving. My dad picks me up from the curb of the airport. We rush to the hospital. I made it to the hospital in time before my cousin transitioned. And the hospital room was, this is right before um, COVID. So it was like 50 of us in the room with him and we were all surrounding him. Um, he ended up transitioning after we all left. And so my grandfather, who I was very close to, um, for my cousin's wake, my husband and I went to pick my grandfather up because nobody else could deal with him. They were like, y'all go get daddy because y'all the only ones that 
can deal with him. So we go and pick my grandfather up. Uh, we go to the wake. And I knew it was time for us to roll him out of there when he made a comment. He was like, why is everybody shaped like buffaloes? I'm like, granddaddy, time to go. Let's go. <laughs> and so we leave. We go get something to eat. I drop him off. The next morning, my dad calls me and he's like, what did daddy eat yesterday? I'm like, why? I'm at the nail shop getting my nail son, getting ready for the funeral the next day. He's like, he's not doing good. So I'm like, let me see his face. So he puts the camera on my grandfather. And I'm like, call 911. He doesn't look good. So they call 911. I leave the nail shop, make it to the hospital. We talked. The doctor came in and let off a bomb. Like they found stage four cancer in his lungs. Um, it had moved over. It was just, it had spread. So apparently he had had it for a long time. Knowing my grandfather, he knew and was just not telling me because he was a soldier. Okay. He was, yeah. he was an army man, 33 years in the air force. And so, um, that's his entire life. Yeah. He was such a great person. Like he was just so fun and so fly and so impeccable with his word, just um, amazing person. And so we hung out with him at the hospital. The whole family ended up coming by, because we found out he had cancer. And so it was like this huge moment. You know, we have a really close family. We were all there just like, okay, we just found out he has cancer. We're all loving on him. We leave there. An hour later, he passed away. I didn't find out until the next morning. The next morning, we're all getting ready for my cousin's funeral. And my cousin, they weren't supposed to tell us until after the funeral. My cousin slipped up and mentioned it. I lost it. I completely lost it. I I literally felt like I was having a mental break. I just, it was just too much grief at one time. So you lost your closest cousin and your grandfather, I lost you know, him. in the day of. Yeah, we were on the way to his funeral and get the call that my grandfather passed. So it was just too much at once mm -hmm. on the same side of the family. So it's like, you can't even call anybody to console you because everybody's hurting. You know, my father had lost his father and his nephew. My grandmother, who's a pillar of the family, had lost, you know, her children's father and her grandson. So it was like the whole entire family was hurting. And so I remember just being completely grief-stricken, too grief-stricken to pick up. And during the middle of that, I was planning the Dare to Dream conference. And I just could not I do remember. it. I <laughs> remember. Oh, my God, because I was going to speak. And then I remember you reached out and you were like, I have all this loss in my family. We're not doing it I anymore. Can't do it. But mind you, it was off to such a great start. Like yes. I had paid for the venue. Every The sp speakers had been paid. Venues had been paid, like everything had been paid and people had bought. We had almost sold out, 112 tickets sold at that point. And when I canceled it, I just did not have it in me to push through. Mm -hmm. That was the moment I realized it, there's no more pushing through here. Right. This is a stop and pause and allow myself to feel all the emotions I never allowed myself to feel. And I thought I was dealing with grief, but I was also dealing with years of childhood trauma that I had never, ever faced. And I think that grief just kind of like blew the top. Yep. <laughs> blew yep. the top. And so I was left just dealing with myself and my emotions. I had never allowed myself to feel certain things. You know, I only wanted to feel accomplished. And that's the only thing I would allow myself to feel. And so I canceled the conference. I didn't get any of my money back for anything that I had paid for. And then there were 112 tickets that needed to be refunded. And those came all out of pocket. And so I remember like one by one, okay, I refund five tickets today. And then when I get this paid, I'll refund five more tickets. And it was completely humiliating. People were bashing me online. It was just the most- I didn't even know you went through this. I'm girl, so sorry. It was the most treacherous, humiliating, horrific. And you're at a point where you're like, just get me out of this. Like, I don't even care how much money I lose. Just get me out of this responsibility. Yeah. I couldn't focus on anything else. My heart was so broken. Mm. I couldn't focus on anything else. And that's when I started therapy. 
And what my therapist brought to my remembrance, she's like, Sierra, you've experienced trauma your entire childhood and you've experienced emotional abuse from your parent your entire life up until this point. And you're not going to get very far unless you really, really start to heal from here. I don't care what you accomplish. That pain is not going to go away until you process it, allow yourself to feel it, and then release it. And that's when I realized that emotions are meant to move through us. And when we when we try to block those emotions, we paralyze our emotional growth. And so I went through a season where I allowed myself to feel even the ugly feelings. And what I realized is that those feelings did pass through. And then good feelings came. And I felt joy again. And I felt happiness again. And I felt love again. And I felt relief again. And then there were times when I felt sad again. But because sadness had passed before... I knew that it would pass again. I didn't feel crippled in those emotions. I had become mm. empowered to know that those emotions are going to pass through me. And as a human being, having a human experience that comes with suffering, I had to learn how to allow those things to pass through me. And that came with emotional intelligence and emotional growth at my rock bottom moment, at my valley experience. And so, yeah, I knew it was time, girl. It was time. And so you set out, once you gathered yourself, mm -hmm. you know, you set out, I'm sorry, this was just so beautiful. This is like the stuff you're talking about is the stuff we talk about all the time is, you know, just um, in order for you to heal, you have to feel it. Mm -hmm. What do they say? Like uh, emotions are just energy emotion. Mm -hmm. And so you do have to feel it. You have to allow the energy to penetrate your, sometimes it, our, it penetrates our entire being. Mm -hmm. It puts us on pause. It literally paralyzes us. And if you believe any, any of that stuff, they also say that when you stop emotions, and you suppress them, a lot, that can manifest a lot of things. A lot physical of physical disease, physical disease, and ailments, illness, all types of stuff. Mm -mm. And so, when you allow that energy to move through your body, it will take over, but it will not take over forever mm -hmm. as long as you don't allow it to live there. Mm -hmm. And then you let that move, and you were able to experience those new emotions. But now you know, looking back, this changed your life it forever. Did. It did forever. It made you more present. It, it made you allow different emotions in outside of just wanting achievement. Mm -hmm. And now you've leaned. And I want to highlight this as a, cause there's somebody listening to this that has a partner that has someone they love that has an idea. And just knowing you personally, I like, I really want to highlight this. <laughs> I really want to know what the conversation sounded like when your husband was like, this is what I want to do. And was it just automatic that you leaned into it or you were like, this is way off brand for me. I need some time <laughs> to think about this. Like, like, or were you like, that's the answer. We're going to be so successful at this together. Or was there like some resistance or did you know this was the thing? The thing is, my husband has always wanted to get into marijuana. And right. I've always been like, mm, there was a stigma attached to it. Um, my father's a minister. I grew up in the church. So it's just like... That part. <laughs> I was like, I remember you speaking at churches. And I was like, when you told me this, I was like, what? <laughs> so, But I mean, my husband has always been a marijuana connoisseur. He's always loved it. And I've always been, you know, giving him like the side eye. And I think timing, um, once I learned to stop being so critical of myself mm. and I healed and I learned to be more accepting of myself and my flaws, I had more space and grace for him. And I, I learned to accept him. And then I fell in love with him on a, a whole nother level. Pause. Do you, I feel like I, was, I knew I was going to be doing this the whole damn episode with you. Do y'all hear that? Like. She didn't go on a journey to become less critical of her husband. She went on a journey to stop being so critical of herself. When we stop being so critical of ourselves, then and only then do we open the door to be less critical of others. It, the, 
you'll notice the people that are perfectionists are typically the people that are the most judgmental Mm -hmm. of other people. Mm -hmm. And it's when you release the expectation from self Mm -hmm. that you can go on a journey to be really open to other people. It's so much so that I even notice it now with myself is like when I'm judging someone else, I'm like, okay, where is this coming Mm -hmm. from? And what are you, what do you need to release within you that you think about you that you because everything's just a mirror mm-hmm. so you're judging someone else and you're like this is actually something you don't like about yourself mm-hmm. it's not you don't like to see someone else do it because you hate when you do it mm-hmm. so it's like to hear her say that like when you are you find yourself judging or checking someone else you have to be willing to look in the mirror yeah. and ask yourself how you hold yourself accountable for these things because that's most likely where we're supposed to begin mm-hmm. and you know what success comes through people Learning how to deal with people, how to manage people, how to get along with people. Um, In order to do that, you really have to master self first or you'll Mm. ruin all your relationships. You know, relationships are a great form of currency, um, especially once after that whole dare to dream debacle. It was so (laughs) poor baby. (laughs) And dare to dream was my baby and is my baby. And you guys um, can look forward to me doing events again. Yes. But the healed version of myself. Mm. And and it's a... a, God said not yet. Not yet, not yet, because I was still in progress. I was still in process. Um, And so what I realized, though, is that relationships really do have currency. But I Mm. think I was engaging in relationships that didn't serve me, that only served the other party, because I was so used to not having my needs met. And that was normal for me, for me to give my all in an organization or a company or a network and get little in return. Because it was normal. I'm used to this. This is how love is. You know, you give your all and you get whatever Mm. they can give you. And then I healed. I messed around and healed and realized my worth. And then I started to attract people who met me at that level. Because your vibration is what connects people to you. And so if I'm vibrating low, people can tell when you don't value yourself. Yes. It comes up in your conversation. You know what I mean? They can tell. It's absolutely who you will attract. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely, it's in everything you will attract. So I leveled up though. And when I leveled up, I started to attract celebrities and high-profile CEOs and people who not only had a budget, but who respected my talent, who respected my time and compensated me accordingly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that version of me it, it started to attract a whole nother version of clientele. And I was able to work in a way that gave me peace, clarity, accomplishment, the thing that I've always valued, but I was just going about it in an unhealthy way. But learning to love myself more, I was able to do more of it without experiencing the burnout, without giving so much of myself. And then it's just like, man, I just spent 50 hours on this project and got paid like 500 bucks. And so (laughs) I'm giving of myself, of my time, of my talent. And then in return, there's a a fair exchange. There's this one book, um, The Game of Life and Mm -hmm. How to Play It by Florence Shovel. And there's this one mantra that she has that I've adopted. And it says, I do wonderful work in a wonderful way. I do wonderful work for wonderful pay. And that totally transformed the way that I showed up in my businesses. And it reflected in the invoices that I sent out as well. Because I no longer felt like, oh my gosh, is this too much? No, this is enough. And it's a fair exchange. Can you just repeat that so they can write that in the comments for their whole life? <laughs> you can gather your whole life in this mantra right here. If you need yes. to create affirmations, this is the first thing you need to say. This is it. I do wonderful work in a wonderful way. I do wonderful work for a wonderful pay. Mm. And so it forces you to give your best in exchange for their best. 
It's a fair exchange, baby. Which should be the only <laughs> way that business goes. It should be the only way that business goes. Every relationship. But when we undervalue ourselves, we undercharge. When we undercharge, mm-hmm. we become a different version of ourselves because we're over-delivering mm-hmm. most of the time for while undervaluing ourselves. So we become frustrated and angry and mm-hmm. or we don't Resentful. deliver. Resentful. Resentful. Burnt out. Burnt out. People think, like, this is not Bank my thing. Rubbed. And it's like, are you... <laughs> people think this is not my thing and I'm like well are you charging enough Mm -hmm. like when they tell me their frustrations I'm like it doesn't sound like you hate the work it sounds like you hate the pay Mm -hmm. like it sounds like you feel undervalued Mm -hmm. in what you do it's a skill you actually possess and love you're just undervaluing yourself Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's the pay and then sometimes it's the process that's why it's so important to have those systems those boundaries those rules of engagement those project management tools Mm -hmm. because you have to teach people how to engage with you and that was another issue that I was having in my business I had no freaking boundaries people could call me at any time and I would drop what I'm doing put the baby down leave the food on the stove run to my laptop and serve them now I have office hours I do not do any business on the weekends Saturday I'm with my husband Sunday, I'm listening to Bishop Jakes and I'm discussing the, the sermon. And even on Mondays, this is my self-care day. Like I, I, And I need this. I need boundaries. I cannot always be in work mode. It's just not healthy for me. I need time for play and mm-hmm. fun. And as a kid, I didn't have that. I had so many responsibilities as a kid. I was raising myself and taking care of my siblings that as an adult, I did not know how to let my guard down and just be have fun. Because I was so used to being in responsibility mode. Mm. And so now as an adult, I like to play. I like to have fun. I'm exploring play. What does that look like? You know, just to kick back and laugh and have a good time. I love this so much because we were just talking about this, that um, we lose our femininity in being so masculine Mm -hmm. in these masculine roles and these responsibility roles and these um, hustle, 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 survive modes. And um, there's, to me, there's I, I can get so I can get back to my femininity when I, I'm given the opportunity to create and play. Yeah. Like I feel like myself again. I feel like a woman again. I feel mm-hmm. soft. I feel fun. I feel creative. Like if we don't make time for play, we take away so much from ourselves as women and as creators. Mm-hmm. And as like the muse to so many. Mm-hmm. Period. It goes back to you need to be able to enjoy the one life that you have enjoy it. And I think a lot of us are so used to survival that we don't realize that survival is not like the exception, you know, thriving should be the rule, you know, survival is the exception. You know what I mean? We survive when we don't have any other choice, but outside of survival, we should be living in a space where we're always thriving. Not that everything in our lives are always going to be good, but to reframe our brains so we can get used to the good and not sabotage it. Because that, that self-sabotage comes up. It's like when you're so used to chaos, when there is none, you'll find yourself creating it. The primary creator of it. The queen of self-sabotage. <laughs> Literally. Like, I know exactly what you mean. It doesn't feel like home. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel... Um, you're almost taught to walk on eggshells or be insanely careful mm-hmm. in situations where you know you can over-deliver, where you know you can show up authentically mm-hmm. and... Um, we become people we're not mm-hmm. just trying to um, tiptoe the line to make sure that we don't, we're really creating a mess. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a conversation um, with my best friend and I shared this conversation with my husband because my friends, they've known me since we were 10. And so yeah. we can talk about everything. 
And I just say, you know, I'm in a place where I've learned to love myself enough to give the world all of me mm. and not just the pieces of me that I think they would accept. I love myself so much that you guys can get all of me, the imperfect pieces, all of it. You can get all this work. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. This is so key right now because I have been chastised in this season for being vulnerable. Mm. Chastised. I mean, like I've been rewarded as well. I've connected with it. I've connected with the right people because of it. I've also been told that I'm crazy for it. I've been told that I'm sharing too much. Mm. I've been told that what if my situation changes and now I've put everything on front street. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing that I just cannot find a way to feel guilty about, it's being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I'm a firm believer in that my personal life was meant to be experienced and given away. Mm-hmm. That I know there's been so many times in my life where something happens and it is traumatizing or it is just, it feels like it came to bury me. Mm-hmm. And I look up and I can feel it. Like it's almost like the, the next opportunity comes right along like, mm-hmm. oh, and by the way, here's the person that you're going to serve mm-hmm. out of this experience. Mm-hmm. Here's the person you're going to give this away to out of that experience. And I, I, mm-hmm. I really just feel like my life was meant to be shared. And I don't mean that from like an egotistical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But even if like I had someone ask me the other day because I shared my entire breakup on not every detail, but I was very vulnerable about my healing journey. Every person I hired, I brought on the show Mm -hmm. to get through my healing journey of ending a seven-year relationship. And and I was very honest about having very dark nights, very like situational depression. Mm -hmm. And um, I had someone reach out to me and say like, you need to be really careful because one, you're giving people something to talk behind your back with. But two, what if what if you're the father of your son gets his shit together and comes back and you want to be back with him? And that's fine. That's, but, and the, and, but this still is my truth. That's what I said. I said, I would then I would do an episode about forgiveness. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because this is human life. And this is my truth. This is human life. And then they're going to say something about behind my back. Who the hell cares? <laughs> Who cares? Because this is the life that each and every one of us live. Women are, we're judging each other. We're competitive. And we're suffering in, in shame and in silence. And so I feel like my whole job is to share what other people are going through, but just to put words to it that a lot of people can't. A lot of people just can't put words to this experience. And I know I can. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like there's no really like, I mean, of course, there's some boundaries, Mm -hmm. but there's no limits when you are secure in who you are and everything that you've been through and what your purpose on this earth, there's no limits to my level of vulnerability. Mm-mm. There's not. And when we hide, it doesn't keep us safe. It keeps us small. You know, our stories, we stand on our stories. There have been, think about if you never shared your story. Have you ever been searching? Have you ever been going through something and then you go on YouTube or you go on Google and you search what you're going through just yes. to see? Is it, so what if no one shared? Do you know how? What if no one shared? That is hope. That's preachers. That's that's everything that you listen to our entire lives are guided off of stories. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you think about the five people that changed your life, it would be based on a story they told you that gave you hope yep. that they experienced what you experienced. Like I told this story at innovative income that um, when our son was in the NICU for 82 days, the way that what we held onto and clung to was people reaching out to us mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, this happened to my brother. He's 22 years old. Now he's completely healthy. Mm-hmm. We didn't think he was going to make it either. Oh, here's my brother. He's five. This happened to him. He's completely fine. Mm-hmm. So we clung to those stories of hope. Mm-hmm. There's so many women in my community right now that said they found me off the episode that I did 
about the NICU journey with my son. Mm-hmm. So sharing that journey, that everything that I had to learn the mm-hmm. hard way, I, vulnerability doesn't mean you're the expert. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability doesn't mean that you've already overcome the process. Vulnerability to me has always been, I'm on a hell of a journey. Literally, I, the breakup happened and I was like, okay, two months later, okay, guys, uh, here's what I'm going through. Y'all want to join me? Mm-hmm. Like, here's yeah. the journey I'm on. It's completely different. It's an entirely different season. I'm going to take you on this journey mm-hmm. with me. And I'm not, I don't know it all. I'm not the mm-hmm. expert. I have not fully overcome this. And I think watching you in this completely new lane with cannabis and this dispensary, um, I've loved hearing you talk about like, the work and the effort that has gone into you becoming the expert in this and being completely vulnerable about this being something that this is nothing you knew anything about. I didn't know anything about marijuana <laughs> <laughs> at all. Know what it smells like, know what it looks I like. However, like. my husband, though, he's the expert. He's always been a connoisseur. And so with this company, we're able to bridge our expertise and our passions. Ooh. My passion is disrupting generational poverty. This company gives me an opportunity to do that. Um, my passion is being able to offer solutions to people in a holistic way. And then when I think, when I went back and I'm such a history buff and just kind of studied the medicinal history of cannabis over 5,000 years of use to help heal ailments of inflammation, pain, mental, emotional, especially for women. You know, we have our, um, our, our issues, right? You know, right mm-hmm. before that time of the month and just kind of being able to create products that, you know, provide plant-based solutions to everyday issues. You know, the, the world right now has a, a opioid. We're in an opioid pandemic. So many people right now are passing away from exposure to small doses of fentanyl laced with their drugs. Mm-hmm. These are all chemical-based drugs. Cannabis is a solution. It's a plant-based solution. And we're able to provide that, you know, with mm-hmm. sustainable agricultural practices with our plants. And so for me, that allows me to put passion behind what I'm doing. Because for me, it always has to be a matter of who are we serving and who are we helping. You know, our company is not just about getting high. It's about healing as well. Mm-hmm. And so when I went on my healing journey, everything is about timing. I was just in a place in my life where this made sense. And again, my husband and I were able to just kind of bridge our passions and work and build together. We've always been builders uh, alone, but this gives us the opportunity to kind of really, really build together, build family, build community, build wealth, and build something that we can leave our children. Mm. Y'all, this is a goal. This, like, that's a marriage, and then that's a business marriage. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful business marriage is where you guys got to combine expertise. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember when I first saw you talking about it, I was like, what is she doing? (laughs) Like, I was like, I would have never thought Sierra would do something like this. But then when I talked to you at Innovative Income, I was like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. Like, you're leaning into your husband. You're trusting his expertise. Mm -hmm. You're utilizing yours. Like, you want to talk about true peace and happiness building something with somebody you love, with Mm -hmm. your kids and your family involved. Like, Mm -hmm. that is a beautiful marriage. And we get to be together. We get to build together. You know, I'm really great at the brand story. I've been able to secure all type of publications and panels where I can go on and talk about the healing components of cannabis and being the first Black person, the first person, period, in this little town to have a license written into the state and just to be an innovator in that way. And so that's the part that I love, speaking and sharing and reaching out and providing solutions. And my husband gets to be in his playground. <laughs> Literally his playground. <laughs> he gets to be in his plant playground. And so it works. And I don't think I've ever been happier in my life. Oh my God, this makes <laughs> me so happy. So, all right. So 
to wrap this up, because there's so much more we could talk about, but to wrap this up, where, what would you say to people, and obviously not to get to this place, because yours is very unique, mm-hmm. but to just, because I don't think we start out like this. Mm-hmm. I don't think we start out, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we start out, few people start out with a clear vision. Few people start mm-hmm. out seeking peace. Few people um, start out with that much wisdom mm-hmm. and experience or or clarity. And I don't think you started out knowing I, you didn't start out knowing this is where you'd end up. My husband and I are going to run a, a marijuana business. I doubt that's where <laughs> you were three years ago. <laughs> not, I could not have seen this coming ever. So what would, but but the 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 outcome is a peace legacy, mm-hmm. breaking generational curses mm-hmm. and building wealth. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to someone that knows that this is what they want? Because you can, anybody can, get married, have kids and have a family. Mm-hmm. But somebody that knows that they're truly passionate behind this, um, wants this for their life, their marriage, you know, cause you hear people, couples all the time say that they just want to build something together. I hear men all the time say they want to find a woman they can build something mm-hmm. with a woman. She wants a boss, somebody she can build something with, mm-hmm. um, somebody that's looking at this. What would your advice be experiencing it now? Take your time and get to know yourself, um, and your partner have real life discussions on bills, roles, responsibilities, how you're going to raise the children, Mm. religious beliefs, Mm. traumas, triggers. What have you been through? What are your hiccups? You know, really get to know one another and then have a lot of grace. Um, My husband and I, like I said, we've been together since we were 17. And so we've literally grown up together and we haven't always grown at the same pace. There are times when I felt as if I was skyrocketing and he was trying to figure it out. There were times when I was in a place of healing or depression and grief, and he had to hold it all together. But that's where that grace comes in. It says, I'll I'll love you at your worst. Mm. I'll love you at your best. And I'm here for you in every season. And so finding someone who has the capacity to love you at that level, because a lot of times you'll find people who love you when you're doing well, and they truly do love you when you're doing well. And then when you're not doing so well, they can't relate to that person or they don't have the capacity to carry you or the capacity to cover you in that space because of their own limitations. And so it comes with a lot of grace. I would say take your time and be prayerful. Mm. We don't always amplify how much prayer is a success strategy. Prayer allows you to center your thoughts. It allows you to get clear about what you want. Because a lot of times when you're in that secret place, you're able to be very, very clear and transparent about what your what your weaknesses are. When I get on my knees and pray, I'm able to say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. Whether it be my own fear of success, my own triggers, my fear of intimacy, my fear of uh, being a good mother. These are real things that I, that I process and I consult with God about, but I have my place where I can pray. And outside of your marriage, you're always going to need to have your own place. And I'm not talking about a physical place, but your own place where you can go and find your own peace because you can't expect your partner to be your peace. You have to learn how to find that on your own. And then you guys can come together and be whatever you need from one another when your own cup is full and you're always pouring into one another. Um, And so I would say know yourself, know your partner have lots of grace and realistic expectations. A lot of the best couples or the most popular couples or the you know relationship goals are people who've gone through a lot of crap that you don't know about. 
they've had a lot of dark moments, but you find someone who's worth it. A lot of my friends always come to me um, and my husband for relationship advice. And I always tell women there are two type of men. There are men who are not perfect and there are men who are just not worth it. And when you're going through things with your partner, you got to be able to adequately assess whether or not this perfect is just someone who is not perfect or if this somebody is just not worth it. And that comes with understanding what your own limits are. <laughs> I'm just like, she just going graze over that. There are men who are not perfect and there are men who are not worth it. Mm -hmm. Honey, that's going in a journal tomorrow. Write know. that down in the comments. <laughs> there are men that are not perfect and there are men who are not worth it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Jim, today. Thank you. <laughs> so the guys who aren't perfect, those are the ones that you can work with. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, you, and it can't be just their potential. It has to be the potential that they see for themselves. Because you can see all the potential that you want in a person. But it has to come from their lens. And so love takes practice. Even loyalty takes practice. Yeah. Grace takes practice. Intimacy takes practice. But the more you practice, the better you become. Practice does not make perfect. Mm -hmm. Practice makes better. And so practice what you want to see in your life. And if that's a better marriage, wherever you pour, that's the season. That's what you can expect to see grow in your life. And so, like, for me right now, I'm in a place where I'm pouring into my, my marriage. I'm pouring into my children. I'm pouring into my family. So you guys may not see me so much on Instagram. Mm. That's not where my fulfillment comes from. Or my income. You know, my clients are word of mouth. The clientele that I service right now, they're all word of mouth. And so if I never show up on Instagram, I still have a lucrative clientele base. And my name is being mentioned in rooms all over the world. And I've been blessed in that way because I've kept my character intact and I've kept my heart pure. And I'm in a place where now I'm embracing wellness, worth, wealth, and all the good things. I've experienced enough of the bad things. And now I'm just embracing all the good things. You're thriving. Thriving. You're and that thriving. took practice. It took practice. This is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer surviving. This is this is what thriving feels like. Oh my. And so I want to I want to end with this because I think this is where we started and I think this is what we're back to. You have to be willing to take a step back mm -hmm. and define what success looks like to you. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes it's difficult to see that without the work and the experience mm -hmm. and I think it's difficult sometimes to conceptualize what success looks like. Again, mm -hmm. you would have never thought you were going to have a marijuana dispensary. <laughs> but Having something with beautiful with your spouse and your children involved mm -hmm. is something that is is def success defined to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I've been learning along my journey is like, okay, there's, guess what? There's money now. Mm -hmm. There's abundance now. There's freedom now. There's time freedom now. So what do you want? Yes, that's the question. What do you want? Yes. What do you want? And what's missing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like there are some days where I just sit here and I, you, you know, somebody asked me the other day what I do for self-care. And I was like, sometimes I just sit in silence. Mm -hmm. um, and But that's so important. And I sit here and I'm like, I'm happy. I'm very happy with everything that I have right now. Mm -hmm. More money, more assets, more time freedom is really just the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy with what I have right now. I'm happy with my impact. I'm, I feel mm -hmm. like I'm fulfilling my purpose. Um, so what do I want? Now I have the opportunity to curate the life that I want. Where do I make small pivots or where do I put more energy into 
so that I can have more of what I want, whether that's time with my son, whether that's the legacy that we build together, whether that is, you know, the culture behind the team that I'm curating, whether I want to sell this business, like how now that I know how to do it, Mm -hmm. now I have to figure out what do I want? Mm -hmm. And that's a never ending question for women, period. (laughs) Yeah. And then when you consider what you want, the next question is always, what do I do next? Yeah. Because it's a behavior change. It's a belief change. You know, what's next for me? Mm. And being and sitting with that and being okay with not having all the answers and being okay if it looks totally different than what you had in mind. <laughs> I've never seen anything more different in my life. <laughs> I went from being a ghostwriter. And, you know, I still, I, I still have some really great projects that I'm working on. Yes. So I'll always be... Um, tied to words. Um, I love words. Um, I love the power of the spoken word. I love the power of words to move and heal and transform people. And so that will always be a part of me. But now just building out a system that that doesn't require most of my time. It, it works itself. And so I've hired editors and I've hired writers and I've hired people that can run that outside of me. I get to just be able to oversee it and be a good leader. Mm. And even learning what that looks like, you know, and cultivating an environment where my team is engaged and motivated to continue to do the work, especially in an environment where you see a lot of employees wanting to leave the marketplace and start their own thing. Yes. And so it's really hard to retain employees in this current climate. And so being very intentional about making sure that the people that I bring onto my team feel a part of it. They're able to exercise their gifts and feel valued, right? Because I need them to run this and continue to build out this and keep this functioning while I'm able to enjoy the work that fulfills me. Girl, you are speaking right now (laughs) because the one thing that I think I curated on accident was my team. Mm. And um, it's like, if you would have said like, are you an aspiring leader? Do you lead Mm. your team well? Like I would have never, I would have never, ever agreed. But I realize it's it's something naturally that I have a ball doing, you know, is sharing the vision with my team. Here's what's next. Here's where I want to go. Are you guys on board? Asking them about Mm -hmm. their investment, their time investment and their involvement. Mm -hmm. And are they doing the role that they're passionate about within Mm -hmm. my business? But on top of that, like you and I have been a part of companies long enough that have done pizza parties, BS raises, all Mm -hmm. type of things. And like my staff know I care the most about their mental health. Yes. So like I've paid for them to have therapy sessions. I've paid for them to, um, you know, paid days off, like, and they know they can come to me. And I always say like, honesty is better um, than an apology. Just Mm -hmm. tell me, I don't care. Just tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk about it later. We'll fix it. I'll help you come up with a solution. You're, I'm on your side. We're on the same side. And so getting to curate that with um, people, that have similar passions. Mm-hmm. That's something I accidentally fell in love with that mm-hmm. I didn't know I would like so mm-hmm. much. I love that. Um, also getting the team to buy into the vision. Yep. The vision, you know, because even with the Krilly vision, um, I think that's how my husband won me over. I bought into the vision, mm. you know, the way that he said it, you know, this is something that we can do to truly disrupt generational poverty. He's like, how many books do you need to sell in order to continue to give back to the community the way that you have? I'm like, whew, I got a headache just thinking about how many books I would need <laughs> to write to and do thousands that. thousands of books. <laughs> and so the vision, um, even with bringing on family members and allow them to legalize, have a legal career, you know, just seeing that whole vision of how we're able to change the lives of the people around us, the people who come from our communities who didn't have opportunities or who may have messed up their opportunities. This is like a second chance. Um, and so when building a team, 
I'm finding that people will give you their all when they believe in the vision. Facts. Facts. Oh, guys, this is so true. I've seen it time and time again. Mm -hmm. Um, When you make the vision clear and you ask people to go on this journey with you when they buy into the vision. Mm -hmm. My team's been around for almost two years. I haven't lost a person. And they're all completely bought into the vision. Mm -hmm. And and now your family's bought into yours. I think that is beautiful. So guys, stay tuned to Sierra Range Jones' journey with her husband and family on this incredible um, venture they're on together. Mm -hmm. And tell everyone where they can get a little piece of you, follow more (laughs) about you, or check out just where you're headed, where you're going, and learn about um, Live Limitless Media and just how to work with you directly on anything. Absolutely. So you guys can find me on all social media channels at Sierra Range. Um, my website is livelimitlessmedia.com. If you want to check out some of the amazing books that we've put out, you guys can find us on Instagram at Live Limitless Media. If you're looking to get started with activating your brand voice and reaching the people that you've been called to serve, you definitely want to connect with us. We can make your book dreams a book reality. A book reality. I've seen her do so much incredible work for, I'm telling you, celebrities all across the board. This woman is an incredible writer, and she's clearly incredible with words, (laughs) so much so that she will also be joining us as a speaker for Innovative Income Summit in January. So if you have not bought your ticket yet, head down to the description as well, Innovative Income Summit. She will be one of our many incredible speakers. So thank you so much for your vulnerability, your honesty, and just really like, being completely open to, you know, your journey of your version of success and true peace. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.